So welcome to It's Not All About The Numbers, the leadership podcast that doesn't just focus on the bottom line. My name is Chris and that is Mike. Hi everyone. And today we have co-host, Head of Finance Career Framework at the Government Finance Function, no less, Katrina Williams. Hello, Katrina. Hi there. It's great to be here. Excellent. I noticed you sign off your emails with Kat. Shall we go with Kat or is it Katrina? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Kat, Kat's good. Okay, perfect. So look, if you are listening to this and enjoying what we're doing, then uh, please subscribe, press like, uh, share it with all of uh, your contacts and colleagues. And uh, we're growing really well in the UK and the US. I've had a look at the numbers, um, but it's not all about the numbers. So I just want to say thank you to the one listener in Estonia, because um, I didn't realize we were reaching that part of the world, but it's always great to see that on the numbers. Uh, and I think we are developing a bit of a global audience, which is all good fun. So as I said, if you really like what we're doing, then click the five stars. It all helps um, the algorithms and our motivation. So thanks for doing that. So to kick things off, how was uh, how was everybody's week? Um, it's been a good week this week. Uh, I, As you know, I've enjoyed some good uh, Gen, Gen CFO dorking time. So I travelled down to see you and the team in, in dorking this week. Yeah, um, I even fed you, didn't I? I got fed. It was, yeah, that was great. Um, eating's always good. Um Landed on the, it, it's uh, all about the contents, not necessarily about how things get delivered and trusting the content that we've been developing. So I was really happy that we uh, we had some good conversations around that. And obviously the main sort of selling point of it all was I got to hang out with your dog and, and mess around with with, with the uh, the family pet. And uh, also this week I've recorded an a- accidental podcast. Um, so with the, somebody that I'm mentoring at the moment called Henry Fenby Taylor. Um, yeah, so an is, is that is that an accidental post? Is that the actual name, accidental podcast? No, it was an accident. We were talking about something completely different, and as we started talking, it was just suddenly said, "This would probably make quite a good podcast." And um, so we were talking about um, the, my work on Open Defra and the sort of the, the digital transformation we were doing in Defra. Um, and we, we ended up talking for about 50 minutes about that. Um, so it's the Digital Twin Fan Club podcast, his podcast, um, that he's going to release a chat with me talking about that. But it was really weird because unlike this, which we record in order, we realised into it we we were recording a podcast. So then we did the introduction at the end, which was very <laughs> odd. But hey. Yeah, you got to look out for that editing time. It's, uh, yes. yeah, it, it, do it in one take. That's what we like. Um and down the line, we have Kat. So, Kat, how's your week been? From a personal perspective, I'm really pleased to say that it's nice and sun- sunny here. So, I'm in Northwich, so near Chester in the northwest of England. So, of course, I love dogs as well. So, lunchtime today, got out and walked the dog. So, she loved it. She's about five and she's a crazy cockapoo. That's what we call her. Um, sure. From a professional perspective, it's been a full-on week. Um, we've been developing a skills-focused tool within the uh, government finance function. So it's all it's all steam ahead. We're, today is the go, no-go decision day. So we'll be launching that hopefully on Monday. So when this goes live, maybe the, the tool will be already out there. So that's developed on a um, an online portal. So we call it One Finance. And that's where over 11,000 people are registered um, from finance roles all the way across the, the government. So that also includes DEFRA, actually, Mike. So we have something in common there. So all of the major departments that you're aware of, so wow. Department for Education, we've got DEFRA. There's lots of other departments that are involved, so um, 
transport, um, home office, cabinet office, you name it. I look after the career framework across all of that. Amazing. Amazing. Do, do you actually know each other from DEFRA or have you just worked there at the same time? You haven't got any dirt on Mike, have you? <laughs> um, so I only joined the government finance function around six months ago. And Mike was um, very helpful, actually, when I was talking to different people about joining the government. So I was moving from private sector into public sector. Mike helped me with the, some of the decisions that I had in terms of my career. So a big thank you to Mike. Excellent. No Excellent. Well, I'm sure we, we'll come on to that. I've got, quick, I've got a quick question, which is, you said today's the go-no-go no go day. Can we assume from what you said that the decision's been made that it's go, or is that yet <laughs> to be made? We are taking the call at four o'clock, but I think oh, okay. everything's locking into place. So um, we're using a space analogy for our storytelling. So uh, it's, it's a really interesting time. So it's like we're at the launch pad. We're, we're, um, we're at Cape Canaveral or we're, we're at the... Um, the, the, the start point just to start the engine so all the preparation has gone to getting us here today let's hope it's not an elon musk-esque launch <laughs> i hope not <laughs> <laughs> hey that's a test and learn approach there's nothing wrong with that it is very expensive um that's amazing and and cat i did i see that you were on a, a road show recently was it this sort of civil service yeah, live that's or right yeah yeah, that's right. So I'm also a co um, co chair for our regional finance network, and that's for the northwest. So I'm really excited that I'm kind of I joined the government, and I thought actually it's an opportunity for us to really kind of work in collaboration, but also connection across so many different departments. So I am a financial finance professional myself. So I'm a FEMA qualified, 20 years worth of experience in finance teams. And then I moved into being in capability and people space. So I'm really interested in you know, still speaking with people in the finance profession. And it's, it's in my own interest to kind of find out through the listening sessions, you know, how it's working, you know, how people are feeling. Um, but also kind of in terms of the future of finance and really connecting to people about what projects they're working on. So it's an opportunity yeah. for me to learn, but also for us to, to have some um, collaborative innovation which I know is a, is a phrase that was used on this podcast before. Yes, yes, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Well, we will definitely dig into that because that is that sounds like an amazing piece of work that you're doing, um, and we will come on to that. I, I um, entertained Mike, as I said. <laughs> um, Mike came down to actually be really helpful um, with our sort of strategic planning and planning out some of our year and uh, also running a bit of a debrief on... The, the very big Gen CFO Academy with us as well, which was um, great facilitation. The other thing was we, we've we um, had our final Gen CFO talks of the year, uh, which we're refreshing in, in January, which is going to be uh, soon to be announced at the, um, the London meet, which we have. Um, and at the London meet as well, we've got our Digital Finance Function Awards um, being launched, which um, feels like a long way away. But in in event terms, it's really not. It's uh, six six months away now, and so it's in June. So uh, lots to do on that, and uh, to recharge the batteries after all of that, I uh, I have booked myself a massage for next week. I really needed it, and I've uh, I've stayed off the booze because the energy was was pretty low. But I, Sounds I like it's a massage well deserved. I just wanted to pick pick up on that. So I, I circulated before we uh, before we started chatting uh, a little list that I found on Instagram of energy takers and energy givers, um, and I just wanted to sort of ask you if, if to have a, a quick look at that the list and pick out a couple of things off there because I think that might be an interesting thing to to, to talk about. 
So the, the energy take is things that take your energy away. Um, I picked a couple out, which so I'm going to go first because I've already picked a couple out. Um, so I picked out inconsistent sleep and traveling as two of my real energy energy sappers. Um, so I find define not actually having a regular pattern quite tiring. And actually, I added my own one, which is um, I find working with people um, where, where there's a lack of understanding or a willing willingness to understand another person's perspective quite quite energy sapping but then on the flip side where I found energy energy coming back to me this week um is music so just before I joined um this call I was listening to some very loud music unfortunately you didn't get to see me dancing around my little office we've got the nature and dog walking bit that I always do and then team working so love a bit of team working so coming to gen cfo and working with the team was a real kind of empowering thing this week great chris you saw the list what, what what struck you off that list uh i i liked it as a bit of visualization actually it was uh it was not nicely presented um first of all just with my uh my data viz hat on um i think for me uh yeah sleep's a good one um but i don't know whether i would sort of say that that really saps my energy i think um screen time is something that really takes it out of me and i'm aware of it almost immediately if i've been on a combination of calls all day i've been on my phone too much you know i've got my my wife and my kids telling me that i'm up to like five hours today dad or whatever it is you know i think that that all helps to sort of drain drain away a bit of the energy without really knowing it um i think uh i'm g- genuinely a, an optimist so when people are negative around me uh it does does take my energy but i'm aware that i need to check that one because it doesn't help with feedback when you know you just want to hear the the good stuff all the time um on the energy givers i think the the one f- the big one for me is actually exercise which is the whole irony around exercise right um you know, you, you you could be low in energy, but do some exercise to some music and, you know, you're, you're, you're back up again. And uh, I decided not to talk about my uh, fitness regime because it's it's not going that well. But last night I did actually do, do some kickboxing with some music. So it was, yeah, it's great. It definitely charges the batteries. Yeah, I mean, definitely for the energy takers. Um, generally, I'm quite a positive person. Um, I tend to be a... I'm a glass half full person. Um, so I do tend to find that, you know, that negativity does does kind of impact me sometimes. I find that the seasons do as well. So I really have to be mindful of that. So particularly in the winter, you know, when it's beautiful, you know, I'm the first one that's kind of out there. But when it's a bit miserable, it really can take its toll. I think what I would say is that um, um, on the list that stuck out for me was definitely kind of social media and the news. So the last couple of weeks, months, maybe years, actually, um, overconsumption of, of, um, of kind of different resources sometimes can take its toll on me. And I need to remember also that what I'm in control of and what I'm not, and it's just kind of being reflective on that and just taking the time just to, to, to have some time away from, from some of the news as well. Um, I think on the energy givers, um, I, I tend to find that um, gratitude works well for me. So actually, you know, saying thank you to others but also to kind of reaching out to people about when things work well and kind of, you know, understanding people's feedback as well. And I find that really gives me kind of a positive um, kind of change in my day and it allows me to reframe some of the questions I'm asking myself. Um, the one that stands out for me is learning something new. Um, I, 
I really enjoy it. I mean, I'm, I'm in the, the world of um, capability and skills. So, of course, I'm encouraging everybody to, to think about their skills. But this week, this weekend, I did a, the first ever, I did a painting class. And I'd never tried it before. I was really apprehensive about it. And I said to the lady running it, I'd really like to paint my dog. So I went to a portrait class. And I can genuinely say I loved the creativity. I loved the boost of the energy that gave me. And I'm really pleased with the output. So maybe maybe I'll share it on LinkedIn sometime so people can uh, take I a look. It. But it's something new. And actually not being afraid about what the output and the outcome is going to be. And just enjoying it for the moment. I love it. I love it. It's so true. So true. I, I think um, I know someone who recently just started playing piano um, for no mm-hmm. reason at all. And, you know, it doesn't have to have a purpose, but uh, they're, they're absolutely loving it for the same reasons. And I think sometimes you've got to remind yourself, right, it doesn't there doesn't have to be a purpose. It's not like I'm trying to be in a band mm-hmm. or, you know, do a recital at Christmas it's it's just like yeah let's just do something for fun which is great and i love the idea of you uh painting dogs maybe i can uh commission you in the new year um uh, i know mike's got three to to be commissioned so. <laughs> it could be so, that side hustle <laughs> so, yeah. yeah exactly moving on to sort of this week and uh I hope this isn't triggering for you, Kat, because I am going to go through a little bit of the news. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there, what what um, what I noticed this week, there was a lot of uh, sort of news around talent and and skills, and it came through in in different headlines for me. Um, the first one was that there, you know, this is the UK we're talking about, but there there was you know almost a million, I think it was nine hundred thousand vacancies in the UK, which. Um, you know, you can see that positively or negatively, depending on who you are. But there's, there's an, there was sort of, a, there's a lot of news as well around the sort of low unemployment rate as well, uh, lowest since the 1970s. So these two things together kind of worry me a little bit when it comes to talent and skills, because it's like we've got loads of job vacancies and we've actually got very low unemployment. So, you know, what what do you guys make of that equation? Because the thing that springs to my mind is are we actually training people for the right jobs or are we motivating people to do those jobs because this vacancy rate is is so high yeah it's a really interesting question actually and i love that it's kind of locked in data you know a lot of the reporting comes from from the government on this aspect as well so i'm, I'm definitely keen from a from a data perspective as well i think what i would say is you know if you think about where we are today in 2023, over the last five or 10 years, you know, the focus on skills, capability has definitely enhanced. It's definitely, you know, increased. And the amount of adverts I get in terms of, you know, come train in this and come try this. And, you know, so definitely the, you know, the culture of learning is changing. That said, I would agree with you. Are we training our people in the right areas that when jobs do come up, that people have the skills then to be able to do the roles that come up. So I think the first thing to do is well, we can only start where we are. So understanding where the, the gaps are today is, is the first step. You know, actually, do we have any versatility, any flexibility in the current resources that organisations have? You know, what can we do to kind of retrain, flex, you know, and understand the, where we are? I think there's a good point on motivation, actually. And sometimes it's um, it's thinking about kind of the morale aspect. But there's things that are in what I would call the benefits package, which include pay, but actually include lots of other elements as well. So in the last kind of four or five years since we've been in, in COVID, 
you know, a lot more is about, you know, the, the environment, the working circumstances, so including working from home, you know, some flexibility. There's also those well-being, growth, inclusion um, kind of themes as well. But then it also comes down to autonomy. You know, are we really trusting that um, people to do the role that they've been employed to do? And actually, are we inspiring people in organisations to move on in their roles in order to create this cadence and movement within within organisations? Great question. Great, great answer. Great answer. Mike, what's what's your sort of take on this? You know, do you, you're in organisations trying to d- develop them, develop their people with strategy. You know, do you see this happening? So, so I'm going to take it in a slightly different direction. Direction, I think, because my answer is very my my answer this morning about five hours ago would have been very similar to Cats. But I actually saw a program this morning that I, I saw was on last night and watched this morning. Um, Simon Reeve back in Cornwall last, I think it was this time last year. And one of the things he said that really struck me and links to this was that 30 years ago, around 25% of uh, school leavers went to university and now it's around 50%. So in that period of time, there there was a real push and there was a real push by the the Labour government to get more people to go to university. And the question that strikes me is, are we actually... reward or do we think of success going as, as going to university now rather than actually getting a job and a career so the, the amount of vocate the support for vocational training and people coming out with the skills to do different jobs has gone down over the same period according to the program i was watching this morning so that's not yeah. that's not me making me coming up with that um and i think that there's something in it for me about how how are we preparing people for the jobs that we think are there in 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 the um you know those that nine hundred thousand jobs what are they what sectors are they in what level of skills are they in terms of are they practical things like en- engineering mechanics plumbers trades or are they something else so i think it, i think it's it's a classic one of those where it's very easy to do a broad brush we have these many vacancies but actually what kind of vacancies are they and how are we preparing the workforce of the future to fill what we need would be kind of where I take it. You know, Kat, from from your point of view, you do a lot of um, development work. You know, in corporate and in government. Um, you know, what's the sort of the, the the changing role? You know, do you feel that? And obviously, I talk to you from a finance perspective. But are there are there different skills being needed in the workplace that aren't there at the moment? Um, you know, one of the things that came up at the academy recently was finance skills are almost like your entry point for finance now it's actually the data and digital skills it's the communication skills it's it's all that is important now to to stay in the job and add value yeah i, I would i would definitely agree with that i think it definitely is changing certainly when i started my career you know it was very much you start your career in a very almost kind of tactical way you know there's a, there was a lot of requirements for record keepers and there was a lot about kind of like what I would call foundational finance. But actually, if you think about the, the trends over the last couple of years, and definitely once we start to do the research in terms of what the future of finance looks like, that's so much more strategic. You know, thinking about options and decision making and actually that kind of philosophy of, you know, investment and value add. But let's go back to kind of data and digital. I think one of the things that we've talked about before is, you know, digital transformation is, is upon us, you know, and it is a way of thinking it is a mindset. 
and really thinking about the skills that kind of go around the data and digital. You're thinking about things such as, you know, governance. We're thinking about data in and out. We're thinking about um, insight and strategy and business requirements and decision making. And to your point, influencing, communicating, you know, thinking about professional judgment and collaboration and using the technology that is changing every day, week, month as we go along. So it's really thinking about the leadership capabilities, management capabilities, and then also encouraging people to grow their careers across the across the um, the finance profession and also dipping in and out of the finance profession as well. So you do find that now we're also talking about things like risk management, project management. There are some legalities that are involved as well. So I would say that the, the you know, the, the very firm, you know, kind of boundaries between a finance role and other roles are much more fluid than they've ever been. Yeah. So I, I, I think that the world of, you know, to say that we're in the silo of finance now, I think with the introduction of finance business partners, you know, several years ago, and now we're, you know, it, it, we, we talked a little bit about kind of the purple people and orange people in the last couple of podcasts as well, yeah. where, you know, that literacy between finance, pure finance and data and digital, that's becoming much more fluid. And people who sit in that, in that space, to, you know, to the point in previous podcasts, to be fair, yeah. is so, it's so insightful, inspiring, future focused. And actually, that's where we're going. So having a mix of skills is is the best. I love it. And, you know, Mike, there's a risk that we live in a bit of an echo chamber when, you know, obviously with the work that we do. But your catchphrase is, I'm not an accountant. You know, are you seeing this happen in other spaces as well? I, I, Yeah, I think it happened. It's happening across the board. I I, Just jumping on the the words that Kat used there about dipping in and out. I don't think it's just dipping in and out of finance. I think what you're seeing is the growth of people that can dip in and out of different areas because the skills mm-hmm. that are required to lead in different areas are broadly the same. You might not need the technical expertise as long as you can lead and understand what, what's going on. So you, you you see it in digital, you see it in IT, um, you, you definitely see that kind of same, there's a, almost like a leadership cohort that have a really broad broad knowledge as well as a, as a sort of like deep tea knowledge in a particular area um so yeah a- absolutely and, and we talked before about the, the, that translator role becoming more and more important we talked about it in the context mm-hmm. of business partners before for finance but actually i think in terms of <clears throat> business translators in general the people that can work across the silos that exist in an organization to help join things up is a skill is a skill that's really needed and and it's it's a different skill to the the sort of like the expert functions of the past mm-hmm. so i'd I, like to add that there's another element of storytelling with that as well yeah so actually the translation of data insight into the into the storytelling and i think that's an uh, that's an added an added skill that's actually quite creative um so I, just to add that at the end yeah 100 percent. i love it and you you know, you were saying that in the past, you know, our, our traditional kind of finance career was quite transactional, quite administrative. This seems to be almost the complete opposite. Super exciting, super interesting, you know, maybe sort of broader skills, more project based, definitely more ad, um, value adding. Is that the case? You know, do you see people being more motivated by this 
future career or or career that's actually here now in my opinion but people just need to to lean into it i would say that the the tide is changing and i think there's a there are a lot of people who have been in the profession for a while and when i said um i mentioned mindset earlier it's true you know a lot about change management is about mindset and it's actually not been about afraid about the future and the change in technology and actually embracing that i wonder whether there's um there's actually an element of, you know, there's the, the some early adopters, should we call it. You know, there are people who are building the raft, getting getting ready to paddle, and they're already on the sea. And then there'll be some people who are still, you know, on the beach watching these things happen. And what I would encourage everyone to do is just to raise their level of awareness. So even if you're not actively involved in some, you know, should we say data and digital forward focused projects, please take the time to raise your awareness, do some basic skills, you know, consider what you can do within your own role. And we can all be on that boat together and really help to navigate that into the future. I was going to say, can I, I just wanted to sort of ask, so obviously you're working in the, the government finance function. And I, I just wondered how what you've just said reflects in that that, that 11,000 people cohort. Um, do you see those changes happening across that group? So I, I think it is mixed. Um, I think much the same as in private sector. Um, I think there definitely is first for change, certainly from uh, from leaders and managers in that space. I think that sometimes it's just been given the room and the confidence to really to really do that. And what I tend to find is that some people are saying, actually, I'm, I'm so busy doing my everyday work, you know, to really kind of raise the gaze, like to really kind of think about what the potential is. So I think it's just, you know, my ask of leaders and managers is to create time so that's where the magic happens to doing the same things the same way every day every week every month that's not creating room for creativity and growth it's actually restricting and kind of locking us to the moment that we're in so it's actually just kind of making those t- times in team days team away days speaking with colleagues have a chat with your your peers you know and really kind of think well actually what are the things that we're doing that we can just not do anymore and actually, I think it's a real question about the value-added activities that we're doing. I think a lot of people do say to me when I go to, to spend time with different departments is that there's, there's definitely a focus on skills for the future, particularly now when we're starting to talk about generative AI and you know, all the technologies that come in. I went to a session yesterday with Oracle and we're, they were talking about um, kind of the way that they're going about kind of deploying some of the technology that is already out there actually how they're guiding their um, their clients to use that i love it and i i completely second your you know your appeal almost to leadership to say look raise awareness just just start there you know just raise awareness of these because because you know are you are you surprised at at this number right at the poll um sorry at the academy last week we polled um around some of the the sort of talent and resourcing issues that people might have and the the number one people challenge in 2024 was was actually employee satisfaction. It was 43% of people said it was going to be employment satisfaction that was the biggest challenge in 2024. But when you marry, and maybe I'm oversimplifying this, but when you marry this up with the you know the finance career framework as as you you call it in government or the the future of finance or this this development that's happening around us. I find it hugely motivating. 
So is is this a perfect fix for that employee satisfaction score being so low, or or is it more complicated than that? I think it's much more complicated than that. In my personal view, I think every person is satisfied in different ways. So there is a um, a unique perspective in everyone's eyes about what feels right for them. So I think that it's much larger than career framework, you know, career possibilities and and signposting. I think it's a lot more about kind of morale, culture, working environment, you know, where you feel like you make a purpose. So um, where you have some purpose. So um, I've been listening to a little bit more. um, I don't know whether you're aware of Jay Shetty. So he was monk turned coach. He's also a director at Calm, I think, as well. And just been spending a bit more time kind of listening to some of his words lately. And I was talking about my my career journey yesterday with one of my networks. And I I always go back to, you know, what do people enjoy? You know, what do people, what are the people good at? What, you know, where you're getting some reward for that? You know, thinking about making a difference. So whether that's to yourself, to others, you know, to the wider population, to the world, you know, really think about, you know, why you get your satisfaction. And I think that also impacts the um, employee satisfaction rating. So it's about how the interact, how it interacts between your life and your, your work, because there's lots of things that are involved in every day that can, can affect your employee satisfaction. So there's no silver bullet. And I completely agree, no, you know, a personal level, yeah. an individual level, yeah. you definitely need to be tackling this. And thanks, Kat. So I've I've got a sort of question, Kat, sort of linking back a little bit to the conversations that we had as you were making your move in into the into the public sector, and and I just sort of wondered now you've now you've made the move and you're in. What around your sort of personal motivations and your personal approach to to work do you think you brought with you in into that that government role? What what was it that drove you to make that change? So I definitely went back to what my purpose was, to be fair. Um, I've always said that I really want to inspire and encourage people to grow and to be their best within their careers. And that goes for me personally. Um, I've done finance roles for 20-odd years. I I want to definitely diversify my own career. But I actually just wanted to kind of help people on their own journeys. And one of the most rewarding days that I have is when I hear from somebody saying, actually, we've used the tools that, you know, that I'm involved deploying that are, are there to kind of signpost people to, to grow their own careers. And they reach out and say, thank you so much for the for the resources that you, you've provided. We have eight job families under our career framework. You know, that's across grades, across across different areas, across over 50 organisations. So when people do reach out to say, that really helped me with this and it really kind of reframed my, my, um, my perspective. Yes private sector and public sector are fundamentally different in terms of stakeholders so I'm used to working in private sector where it's about the customer you know generating revenue thinking about sustainability and the uh, uh, and products and we're moving into public sector it's much much more about um kind of the deliverables to you know taxpayers you know thinking about delivering services and projects that people are involved with and yes there's also those traditional accounting roles which are you know planning and budgeting and you know you would have heard the annual statement um, this week as well and lots of people are involved in lots of different varied activities personally i found it really rewarding um, the flexibility within the public services uh, has definitely um, helped my work-life balance so when we went to the energy givers earlier 
you know, one of those things about having time with my family and making sure that, you know, that I'm thinking about what I enjoy in my life. And, you know, as I kind of, I'm kind of mid-career, you know, kind of really thinking about what was rewarding for me, which is not always the, the check at the end of the month, although that helps, but there's lots of different elements that influence that. That's that's really, really fascinating. And just a, a sort of, I suppose, like a, lo- a loaded leading question. Um, so if somebody came to you and was a- and asked you the same question that, that you asked me about, you know, experience in the public <laughs> sector and, and making that move, what, what would you say to what would you say to that person that's pondering it now? I would say, have a go. Go and see what it's like, because I don't think you really know until you experience it yourself. Um, I would say that the, the culture is different. But actually, I, I think ultimately it's an opportunity to grow your career in a different field, in a different different way. One of the reasons I joined is that I get to influence over 11,000 um, government finance function colleagues. How incredible is that? The amount of people that um, through the, at the people and capability team that I'm part of, we're really proud about the reach that we've got. And we're thinking about kind of, encouraging people to to step forward in terms of their growth either within their role or, or thinking about progression i love it and that, that is a huge number of people you're it talking is. to and yeah i just wonder how do you how do you sort of build those connections you know there's so many people there how do you sort of influence so many people you must have um a comms plan behind you <laughs> i know mike, mike i don't know whether you heard last week but mike was talking about Back in the day, in his DEFRA days, he had the DEFRA selfie, which seemed to gain some sort of momentum. Um, but how do you connect with with so many people to make a change? So yes, we do have a um, we have a specialised comms and engagement team. Um, they are they've got vast experience between them, um, all the touch points across all of the government finance function. But the way I think about it is kind of in a layered way. So thinking about a triangle, so the bottom of the, the triangle is much much more about functional engagement. So we've got what we call uh, One Finance, which is a online um, portal, effectively hosted in SharePoint, but is a portal for everybody across the, the GFS to access. All the information that is shared across the different departments is on that portal, and that includes learning resources. So we have what we call the GFA, which is the Government Finance Academy. Um, we also have lots of information about regional networks. I mentioned that earlier. I'm a co-chair of the Northwest area. We have lots of information about um, um, opportunities, jobs, um, you know, kind of projects people are on. There's lots of resources there. The second part of the triangle is about depart- de- departmental um, contacts. So I have a network of what I call um, head of finance professionalism um, contacts across all of the, the big departments in the government. So we have a regular, usually monthly meetings just to say, right, what's going on here? Um, kind of talking about career framework, how we can use that with attraction, recruitment, um, kind of workforce planning, thinking about projects coming up, allocating um, learning and skills resources as well. And then at the top of the triangle, it's what I would call cohorts. So very specialised comms with, um, I'm a real big advocate for um, kind of equitable access for everybody, for resources, for careers and growth, but also about kind of opportunities and um, career moves. So I work with different teams, included um, kind of the race network, women in finance network. We have a finance business partnering network. 
Um, we've got lots of networks across the government finance function, so I contact them on a regular basis to to kind of really share the resources we have. So it's on it's functional, departmental, and then cohort. Excellent. And and as a community builder myself, um, I praise you for that because that is not easy to do. Um, and I mm. think that that is that is a really sort of huge value add you know there's there's frameworks and there's training and there's L&D but actually that peer network and peer learning is so important um to everyone's development I'd say so just moving on we've got a uh, a question here from uh, the academy uh, before and if you do want to ask a question to us and the, the speakers who are on our co-hosts then um, do send questions to podcast at generationscfo.com or reach out to Mike and myself um, probably via LinkedIn that's probably the best thing to do the question this week is um, it's as a leader do you ever get fatigue in always thinking about what to do next I'll I'll start and then I'll come to Kat and then Mike because I yeah I find it exhausting to be honest with you um I have a fairly fixed approach to what I do when it comes to planning. Um, we have a cadence of meetings. We have a cadence of sort of planning goals. And uh, it's very structured around the vision for the company and, you know, our, our big, hairy, audacious goals that we put out there. And then, you know, tighter planning around the next year and three months, uh, next quarter. So, so much sort of effort goes into just getting a very short concise plan um that everyone's comfortable with and can achieve so yeah i do find it very tiring um about trying to think about what to do next um but i but i also see that as my my role um because if i'm not setting that out for people then you know they don't know which to use cat's analogy they don't know which boat to get on to for which port to arrive at um, <clears throat> yes, definitely think about the next thing. I think for me, it's kind of it, it's kind of the balance between strategic and tactical. Uh, we mentioned the um, the collaboration earlier. I think what I tend to find is that I, I work um, better in a team for that. So, for example, on our regional finance network, you know, we all got together in person in Manchester last week. We discussed all of the different ideas. Don't let any boundaries stand in the way what we're going to do and deciding that as a as a team and it, it really helps kind of yes spread the accountability but also it's really really good to kind of really think about synergies and kind of bringing different ideas where you can bounce off each other and that's where that power of community comes in but yes it can be tiring sometimes um what i would say is just take a breath you know just it's okay just to say do you know what that went okay today and not really think about tomorrow because sometimes it can be overwhelming so I think sometimes when we when we think about um kind of tenacity and you know being resilient sometimes it's just taking that breath I, I think I might be the opposite in in that I'm always thinking about the next things even you know on a when, when I'm doing this task now I'm thinking about what's the next task and how does that work and how does it work how does it all come together I find quite a lot of the work I've done over the last sort of five years have been involved in how do you take an aspiration and turn it into a, a a plan I suppose the bit that I'm not so good at and actually Chris this is this is where we work quite well together is the bit that you're really good at which is taking that from the arm wavy strategic into these are the these are kind of like the steps into there okay so what do those steps really look like um and I, I kind of sometimes shortcut that bit so the bit I find fatiguing is that bit 
is, okay, so look, it's obvious to everybody, surely this is the way we're going. This is the plan. Let's crack on. Um, and actually translating that into like sh- really short term steps, I find I find quite a lot harder. Um, I, somebody shared with me today a, a Trello board for a project that I'm working on. And I looked at it and saw all the tasks on it. And, and oh, my God, my head wanted to explode because <laughs> of the level of detail that was in there. Um, whereas in my head, it's like, I know where I'm going. I know what I need to do. I know we all know what we need to do. Let's carry on. So yeah, it's interesting one. It, it's almost like, you know, we all have our strengths, but maybe we need to cover our weaknesses because that's what really tires us out. Exactly. Um, moving on to good data, bad data, which is uh, this um, almost good news, bad news <laughs> section of the week. We, we did all right on the good news this time, Mike. It's it's good it's good data about bad news. I'm afraid. Um, so um, I came across the Information is Beautiful Awards. Um, the yeah. Shortlist the shortlist for the awards that came out re- relatively recently, and the one that I saw that was really interested me was a, a Reuters piece of work on the collapse of insects. Um, an absolutely beautiful set of infographics that you can scroll through to look at. Actually, what is quite a, a worrying a worrying thing uh amazing amazing visualizations telling the story about the decline of insects and two things which i pulled out of it to to make you feel really great in the last 150 years the world has lost five to ten percent of all insect species which is 250,000 to 500,000 species which is like an incredible number and of a million different insect species that are known to science 99% 99% of them, we don't even know what their conservation status is. So we don't even know if they're at risk. We know they exist, but we don't know if they're at risk. I, I feel like you set, set us up a bit there. I was expecting some good data and then I got a kick in the guts. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, let me try and throw some good data at this then. So uh, for, first one um, is Mike is running our mastermind solo next week. So that's good data because it means that I can have a have a day off. Well, not quite a day off because I'm off to the uh, London Stock Exchange to meet someone. But um, that's good data for me. Also, Mike fixed my toe. And this is good data because we were having an over dinner chat about exercise and getting old. And uh, you, you basically diagnosed me told me what medicines to get and then before i knew it i felt fixed and off i went uh with my with my kickboxing last night so I was gonna say, for, fortunately you survived the kickboxing so if you got injured doing that as a result of me suggesting you get a bit of ibuprofen i would have uh i'd have really felt bad <laughs> other good data and you know Kat, i don't know whether you're in this space but i'm pretty sure most people are finishing their planning now are you are you on the wind down to to christmas well not quite but you're certainly over <laughs> the bulk of your planning at the moment. Yeah, so definitely think about the strategy for next year. Um, that's locked in. So we had a steering board last week. So I'm really pleased that we were we were able to kind of articulate to all the FDs and CFOs across the government about in terms of our, our plans. So, but yeah, I, I, I think it's an interesting place to be, you know, a couple of weeks to go before Christmas. One news feature stood out to me this morning, and that was a... Um, I'll not name the bank, but there was a, a bank today on Black Friday that was not able to um, kind of satisfy some of the transactions that have gone through their their platforms. And they said that they were investigating the issue as a, a matter of urgency. And uh, there was a problem with the, the mobile and online banking service. You know, all of those apps and services that we take for granted in 2023. So it's yeah. just something that kind of to me, even now, you think about the millions, billions of transactions that happen today. And we are reliant upon banking systems that enable that technology. 
and uh, so yeah, that that stood out for me from a from a data perspective this morning. So black, uh, yeah, and Black Friday as well. That's not the day to be messing with because uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know whether people know this, but Black Friday refers to the fact that it's when a lot of retail companies go from in the red to in the black. So that's why wow. they call it Black Friday. And yeah, we're all out that planning process, which I think is a, a relief to everybody. Um, and hopefully you didn't do it in Excel. If you did, tut tut, come and talk to me about planning tools. <laughs> but good stuff. Well, look, uh, that's it for this week. Um, we're just going to wrap up. I've got one shout out um, to friend of the pod, uh, Baron and Yangwei, who is the FD, the current FD of uh, Love Coco. Uh, if you've heard of Love Cocoa Chocolate, then uh, I hear it's good. Um, he is speaking at the London ex- uh, Stock Exchange. And actually, he's he's there to kind of discuss the autumn statement and the impact of growth um, on business, which is quite interesting. Obviously, he's in a growth startup company. Um, so if you do want to learn more about uh, what Baron's up to, then I'm sure reach out to him via the Gen CFO community or on LinkedIn um you'll you'll be able to see him there and cat thank you very much for today as well i really appreciate it sounds like it was a massive day for you as well with this go uh no go decision so uh, i appreciate you taking time out thanks to you as well yeah thanks so much for the opportunity to talk on the on the podcast um definitely if i can encourage everyone to just take a look at their skills think about the future you know also role of leaders and managers within that so thank you so much for the uh the opportunity thanks cat Thank you, Kat, as well. And uh, and that's it for this week. So remember, it's not all about the numbers. Take care.